Hello, TTB community. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. Each week, we like to bring you insight from travel authors, adventurers, conservationists, digital nomads, tour guides, and some of our very own personal travel experiences. Joining me today is the very industrious Robert Domena. Industrious? What does that mean? Specifically, this definition is an industrious or diligent and hardworking, used in a sentence, an industrious people striving to make their country prosperous, which is very much you, Bob. You are industrious in every Thank sense you. of the word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay. So today we have a really, we, we have an awesome conversation, like they all are. Uh, but we talk with Sarah Weaver. She is a coach, speaker, and real estate investor. What makes her unique and why those things are applicable to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast is because she's doing them while traveling. Specifically, for this conversation, she's speaking to us from Guatemala. Um, she is she is working very few hours, and she's traveled up to forty four countries on all six all six on six of the seven continents. Um, and uh, and she's been fully nomadic since January 2019. Lots of insight. She's an, she was very well spoken, very passionate about what she's doing, and she is on the move, um, only growing from from the time that she was on our conversation. So really, really exciting conversation. The travel tip of the week is to check your Airbnb Airbnbs for hidden cameras. Uh, they are hidden in thermostats, picture frames, things like that. Uh, one tip that we actually received was that if you use your flashlight to look at those features, you can actually see the glare coming back to you from the lens. Um, definitely something I started doing. And it is, it, it is an issue in the sense that people are putting their cameras into these apartments illegally without, your, without, without making you aware. So definitely look into that. Before we get into the show, check out some of the cool things that we offer. How do you organize and plan your trip? So if you like to keep your trip organized like we do, you can use the travel journal and planner that we developed for our very own personal travel experiences. This will allow you to record things like the dates, the budget, the top destinations, the currency exchange rate, the time difference. It has a fillable calendar and it provides you the ability to write out your entire itinerary by the hour. In addition to that, it has a place to store reservation information, a packing list, a to-do list. And then at the very back, it offers you space to journal about your trip. You can find this travel journal planner on our products page, and once you download it, you have it forever, and you can reprint and refill it out for every trip you have moving forward. Now, if you do decide to purchase this, we encourage you to reach out to us with any tips to make it better. To help compile all of your info for the journal slash planner, we turned ourselves into cartoons to create a five-part video course that provides a step-by-step -step process to create the ultimate itinerary, including number one, navigation, number two, booking airfare, number three, blogs, research, and reviews, number four, itinerary building, and number five, safety, cultural norms, and thoughtful travel. The goal of this video tutorial is so that you can become your own personal travel agent and learn how to be planned efficient trips now and forever, all the while saving you money to splurge on a nice meal or first class seat for your next adventure. Yeah. And now, so if you still think that planning your trip is a little bit too much, or you just don't have time to sit down and actually do it, I can personally plan your trip for you using all the information that we just mentioned. If you're interested in this, please send me an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com or visit our service pages on our website, and we can meet over Zoom to discuss the details of your trip. You want to contribute to the podcast? If you work in the travel industry, you can join us for a travel around table discussion by submitting your information through the TAT form on our website. You can also send us a travel article via direct message or 
at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com for the monthly Travel Bites episode. Support us by wearing us. Go to redbubble.com to find awesome gear and merchandise of the Traveler's Blueprint. Some of the cost comes directly to us to help support the podcast. We definitely recommend the hoodie and the hat and maybe a sticker or a travel mug. Whether you purchase a product from us or just want to learn about travel alongside us as we interview our guests, know that we greatly value your support as a listener of the show. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Sarah, welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. Thanks for having me. We're excited to talk to you today about uh, real estate, travel, and how they're related and how you got into it. So rather than me give a little bit of background, why don't you talk how you got into real estate and how you've tied that into your travels? Absolutely. So I think a lot of people think when you buy a house, you're it's a ball and chain to a mortgage. But I have found a way to buy not one, not two, not three, but eight rental properties and travel 100% full time. My friends call me the homeless homeowner. I, I ha- <laughs> it's good. I haven't I haven't put that on my dating profile. I don't think it has. And I don't know how homeless uh, is going to be very attractive. Um, but yes, I have been nomadic, fully nomadic since January 2019. And I've been working remote since August of 2015. Oh, wow. So you were like even pre-pandemic remote worker. Yeah. Nice. All right. So we got a bit of a trendsetter here. So how did you, A, how did you, how were you able to work remotely in 2015 and how did you make that transition in 2019? Yeah. So in 2015, I kid you not, I wrote in my journal, I want to be location independent. That was what I called it. Um, now I call myself a digital nomad, um, but location independent was really important to me. And eight days later, I had a job interview with the company that I ended up working for for almost five years, about four and a half years. And what I always want to tell people is I didn't just like write it in my journal and then take a nap. (laughs) I wrote it in my journal and then I applied for 84 jobs all everywhere. (laughs) I had no idea what I was applying for, by the way, guys. Like at some point you're just like. (laughs) Yep. Action plan. Send. What were the parameters that that the job had to have for you to apply to it? Like just be remote. That was it. <laughs> Which nice. was probably slim pickings back then. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I mean, of course, at the beginning, you know how when you're applying for a job, you're like, it must be all of these things. And then by the end, I was so tired. I was just copy and pasting. I'm sure I was making like every job applying mistake in the book, like, hello, sir or ma'am, that this concerns. Like, you know, nothing was customized at that point. Um, but it worked, obviously. I ended up getting the like the one of the best jobs I've ever had. Um, and she, the boss, um, was very much like me. Um, at the time, lived in Florida. Within a couple years, moved to Portugal. She now lives in Spain. And so we're very similar. And so we joke that she probably hired me more off of my travel resume than my actual resume. I have heard that is actually a big thing that individuals are looking for not necessarily the current generation of leaders but you know the the gen z gen x and the millennial generation will be looking for that travel experience because they know it it provides a little bit of creativity and that culture that gives them a little bit of an edge that you know other experiences may not yeah yeah absolutely experience yeah yeah. 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 So I actually had, yeah, like 
running with the bulls, like my timelines of like, I've backpacked for eight months solo. Like that was actually on my resume. Yeah. And I think 20 years ago, people would have been like, uh, no, that would have been like a, a negative feature of a resume. Right. Now well, it's, yeah, it's sought after. It was frowned upon to have like the gap year. And now, now we're making a transition. That's incredible though. Like I've never actually heard of people doing it, like actually putting running with the bulls on their resume. Uh, yeah, it blows my mind. It seems like it could still be a hit or miss, you know. Totally, and it, it depends on the industry that you're you're working within, of course. Um, but fascinating, fascinating that you did that, and it, and it landed you a job and sort of gave you the next step. So, what else happened? What happened after that? Yeah, so at the time that was 2015, I moved from Texas to Colorado, and then that's when I like first kind of took my first jump into being a true digital nomad, and I bought a one way ticket to Colombia in South America and spent three months in Colombia and learned all the things that you learn as a digital nomad, like figuring out how can I have stable Wi-Fi? Turns out it's really hard. You're in the middle of a meeting and it just drops and you're like, please don't fire me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was 2016. I feel like that. I feel like we've had a conversation about how Wi-Fi and consistent data connection has really evolved over the last four to five years and especially during the pandemic like hotspots have become more and more reliable and accessible and eventually i mean with all of these eccentric billionaires putting satellites in the sky to help give internet to the world uh, i think everyone is going to have access to it everywhere at all times in the near future and and what we learned back uh, on on a previous podcast and what i just confirmed by googling it is that romania has the best uh, Wi-Fi in the world, yeah, and so it was something that they prioritized and to to entice people. And that's because um, they have the highest number of ISPs, internet service providers, right? There's hmm. there's so much, there's so many options and so much competition that the speed is just so much higher, okay. right? Because in the U.S., we only have a few major suppliers, and that that competition, they all kind of stay around the same level. And there's no reason to increase over the other because there's no incentive. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. So you're you're doing this job for about five, four and a half to five years, and then you made a transition into real estate. And you've actually been on a few podcasts about real estate, notably Bigger Pockets and a few others. And what what prompted you to make that transition and then following up on that, how did you do that? Yeah. So so what's really fun is that very first job I got in 2015 was still real estate. Okay. So, so that job was helping real estate agents, real estate brokerages, and real estate teams grow their staff. So we were a recruiting company specialized only in real estate sales hmm. professionals. Okay. And and so what I didn't know then that I know now is that I was getting the inside look on the country's top 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 real estate agents. I mean, we're talking they're selling 200 million a year. The average real estate agent sells like 3 to 10 million and they were doing well over 100. And so I was getting the inside like look at their wow. team organization structure the software programs that they were using, because obviously you ask those questions when you're looking to hire someone for their team. And and then the networking. I mean, now I'm now fast forward and I'm actually teaching real estate agents how to invest in real estate. And I, I flew to San Francisco, was in a real estate brokerage, and a guy in the back was like, 
wait, I know you. He's like, I think you found me my assistant. And I was like, whoa, Jeff. I'm like, yeah, that would have been like 2017 that we would have done that. <laughs> and he was like, how do you remember that? And so, yeah, I mean, my my network, th- what that job did for me was, I mean, immeasurable. Yeah, it sounds it. Well, I guess that's, that, that is, that's great that you had the real estate experience, but to make that transition, to, to understand how to invest internationally, seems like a different ballgame. There's, there's the long distance investing in the United States because, you know, the rules and regs are still kind of the same, but I feel like the international investing scares a lot of people because there's so many more seemingly unknowns. Yes. And to be clear, I haven't bought anything abroad yet. I have just bought in the U.S. from abroad. And so it typically involves like some type of power of attorney or like mailing off your paperwork well ahead of time so that it gets back to the U.S. Um, And so I bought in Nebraska from New Zealand and I bought in Missouri from Mexico. And so now I need to travel to a country that starts with the letter I because I'm (laughs) buying in Iowa and we got to keep the alliteration going. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I like it. That's that's awesome. So, okay, so now um, in in this timeline that we're sort of going through, where are you? You get this job and do you. You, you use this information to start investing in real estate. Yeah, so it's really interesting. The The job itself didn't teach me anything about investing. Um, and my first property that I purchased, I look back now and I'm like, man, I'm just so lucky that it worked out because I didn't know how to calculate cash on cash. And I didn't know what CapEx was or how much <laughs> to set aside for reserves. Um, However, to give myself credit, I, I had I had been given other skill sets. So I'm really good at negotiating. That's like something that I've always been good at. And then that job that I had, I was put into a sales role. So I was selling to some of our country's best salespeople, like high-end real estate agents and brokerages. So I really like really improve my negotiating skills and that's important in real estate investing. Absolutely. And then my dad works for a builder. And so I didn't realize, but just growing up, even playing on job sites, like I know some things um, more than the average person. Because you guys, if you you ask the average person, is a house built from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top? People actually say, oh, yeah, top to bottom. And you're like, no, (laughs) that is not. That's not how it works. (laughs) I mean, that's just gravity. Yeah, I don't understand (laughs) how anybody could say that. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and so that first property I purchased was in 2017 and I was living in Colorado, but I bought in Kansas City because at the time the houses were obviously so much less expensive um, and I didn't have the skill set that I have now. I could have I could have easily bought something in Denver and it would have appreciated about 27% more than what I bought in Kansas, but I didn't know then what I know now. And yeah. so for me, I drove across I-70 and I bought a property in Kansas City. My theory was I'm going to buy the ugliest house in the nicest neighborhood. So I bought a property wow. that had not been updated since probably the 70s, and it's located in an A-class neighborhood in a town called Prairie Village, Kansas. Nice. That's Kansas City is a pretty booming destination now. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Absolutely. I'm having a hard. I'm having a hard time finding deals. 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I remember Elliot. We had a conversation about like best places to travel in the United States maybe a year ago, mm-hmm. and Kansas City was number one on the list. And we both were going back and forth on why, and we weren't really sure. But yeah, it's a, apparently a, uh, several of the middle American cities are seeing this spur of like commercialization and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's from a tourist like from a tourist aspect. Like if you are interested in like American football, like if you want to have like a great tailgating weekend and like a true American experience that the tickets aren't astronomical. Um, your Airbnb is not going to be that expensive and you can go to, we have amazing breweries, distilleries. There's a decent night scene, nightlife. I mean, I've traveled the world. So when I go to Kansas City, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I love, but I love showing people, especially my like foreign friends, like you know, the true American, like tailgating is an American, like culture. That's something yes. so special to our culture. Yeah. And I think there's nothing better than like tailgating at a Kansas City Chiefs game. Nice. Yes. And then That's, barbecue. I mean, what right, else do you need, yeah. guys? Right. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. I can see the appeal. Yeah. 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 I, it's a it's a three it's a three day trip. I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't want <laughs> right. I don't want to live there again. But <laughs> so I think you're what's interesting, though, is that Bob and I have dabbled in real estate and we're uh, my profession is kind of working on the design side of real estate, but it seems like if you're an investor, having the ability to work with people and build a team seems to be one of the most invaluable aspects of real estate investing. Not necessarily knowing the numbers and how everything works together, but if you're a good people person, that's, mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest hurdles for individuals. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll give an example right now. So now fast forward and I own 19 units in four states. And when you own 19 units, things break all the time. So I had something happen in one of my units and, you know, called my called my plumber and he was like, oh, he's like, Sarah, I'm literally in the middle of something, but you've been so good to me because I sent him a lot of business. And so he stopped what he was doing and he went over and took care of my property. And that is exactly to your point. I mean, having the ability to build relationships with people is key to my success. Yeah. And we've had conversations on the past with individuals, especially um, one that strikes me or rings my memory is an individual that helps companies create a six-figure revenue stream very early on. And it really isn't about anything but understanding the people and finding out what you're good at. So for you, it really is like the negotiating, the people skills. And for someone else, it may be that they're really great at numbers and that they just need to find someone to help them be better at, at like yourself, <laughs> find someone like you to help them get better at working with people and finding a team. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I really believe in partnerships. I don't think real estate investing, you're, you're, you're not meant to be an island. No, not at all. Everyone tries to do it alone and it just, it, you can't do it. Well, you definitely can't scale. Well, I shouldn't say definitely can't scale. It's very, it's, it's, it's much more difficult to scale. Um, or, or you can, and it completely ignores the entire point in me doing this all together, which is I'm investing in real estate to have more freedom of time. Right. Yes. So, right. Yes. And that's yes. the ultimate Solid goal. Solid point. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Ultimate goal for anyone at any time in life is freedom Absolutely. of time. Be, yeah. Freedom from time. Yes. And I want to point out that last week was one of those weeks where I didn't have freedom. I mean, last week, like everything that could go wrong with four of my 19 units went wrong. And I had this like really nice four hour block where I was going to go do something cool here in Antigua, Guatemala with the people that are here with me. 
and I spent all day on my computer. And so I want to be really clear that sometimes your day does end up that way if you don't have the systems in place. And so now I'm paying the price of not building my systems and processes fast enough to keep up with my growth. Interesting. Yeah. And that that's a really good point too, that what you're doing on, let's just say like Instagram, the facade of your life, it looks glamorous, but people do need to recognize that if they're going to go a similar, similar route as you, that there is a lot of work involved. There's a lot. There's of a hustle. Scenes. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're not, it's not a free ride, uh, you know, where you're, you're backpacking around the world. Um, there is an aspect to it that, yeah, is very demanding. Um, so Sarah, I want to get into the travel a little bit. So where along the line here did you get the realization that I don't need to be in America to do this? I want to go see the world and that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I actually got a whisper back in 2009 because I started traveling. That was my first time abroad. I was 19. And I went abroad not only to Europe. I studied abroad in Florence for the summer, studying Italian. Very romantic. And (laughs) And then I actually dropped out of university. And I didn't go back to KU, the University of Kansas, that fall semester, sophomore year. Instead, I backpacked Europe, New Zealand, and Australia. And okay. and yeah. I, I, I met people who either were like able to take so much time off work, like some of the Europeans that like can just take off a ton of time. Um, then also I met people who had a business where they could be away for as long as they wanted. Um, and I think that that was like, that was a, a whisper. I wouldn't say that's like when I figured it all out, mm-hmm. but that definitely planted the seed. And then in 2015, when I told you guys I was determined to find a job where I could work remotely, I was certain that this was going to be the rest of my life. Like I was just certain that I was meant to have a MacBook in my backpack and travel. Love it. Very cool. That's incredible. <clears throat> and so this is, this is um, very important. When did it come from, when did it transition from a thought to action? I think it was that first flight to Columbia in 2016. Like I had, thankfully I had such a cool boss um, who said, okay. And she was skeptical, but here's what's funny. You guys is she moved that exact same week. She moved from Florida to Portugal and she had worse internet than I did in Columbia. And so she was so forgiving for like my, you know, mishaps with Wi-Fi because she was having an even worse time. And so that was like the universe, like, giving us both such a gift. And while I was there, I knew I was like, this is it. Like, I want to study Spanish. I want to be surrounded with people who also like love this kind of lifestyle. And the it's funny now at the time, it wasn't so funny. I was dating someone and he had the exact opposite realization, which was no, I want like dinner at home every Sunday. I want the soccer league with the kids and the wife. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I want those things, but probably in like a decade. And so (laughs) Columbia was like a really pivotal moment. I actually wrote in my journal, I was like, I'm going to buy rental property and continue to travel and he's going to go home. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome. So I mean, been, not obviously, you know what I mean. <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, it is awesome. Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. awesome because we both got what we wanted. Like yes. within six yes. months of breaking up, I bought my first rental. And then that next year, um, 2018, I spent four months abroad having my mortgage completely paid for. And I think that's probably like an, the answer to your question. That's when the light bulb went off. When I said, holy cow, this is working. 
Yeah. Like I'm going to buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Well, that's, uh, that's so nice because that, that income, while you do spend some time, it's not 40 hours a week. I mean, maybe some weeks it is, but it's not consistently that grind. You've you've had that investment. You're you're making enough to sustain your travels and live abroad. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, we've mentioned it many times on the show, is that the cost of living in the United States is generally higher than most other countries, excluding Western Europe and parts of Japan, or I guess I should say most of Japan and maybe even New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. A significant majority of the world is extremely, it's much cheaper to, to live in. Um, so, all right, so, so you went to Colombia, and did you, you bought your first property abroad in Colombia, and this was in which state? Yeah, no, it took, it still took another, it would have been about a year and a half later that I bought something in Kansas. Okay. Um, and I was living in the U.S., I was living in Denver, Colorado, um, it's funny. I remember I was in living in Denver, planning my South American, like I was going to do this huge South American trip because I was like obsessed with my time in Colombia. And, um, and then, you know, life happens and things don't go according to plan. Um, and so I ended up buying my first rental property and then I spent a significant amount of time in Europe that following year. Okay. And then it did, it took me two years to buy my second rental property. I think a lot of people are like listening. Thank you for mentioning, like I've been on a lot of podcasts lately and people are like, wow, you've scaled so quickly. And I'm like, it looks like that. But it's like I bought one. Two years later, I bought the second one. And a year and a half later, I bought the third one. Okay. And then I bought four, five, six, seven, and eight, like yeah. all within like 90 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that that is, I guess, what you call a logarithm or an exponential curve. But most people don't think that it's just like, oh, I do one and I got it. <laughs> it's you're going to do a lot you're probably going to fail on a few and then eventually you'll get it and then you'll be consistent and then you'll get enough to sustain whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as I told you guys, I, I wasn't like a super savvy investor when I bought that first property and I wasn't hanging out with other savvy investors. And so I didn't know the power of, you know, private money, hard money, lines of credit, using your equity, refinancing, all these different, I just didn't even know any of this. All I knew was buy the house, get it completely paid for by your tenants, and I'm rich. Yeah, <laughs> or so it. I thought. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> repeat. Yeah. yeah. And repeat. Yeah. No, it's, but um, it's so, I'm so yeah. glad we're having this conversation because we've wanted to have a conversation about not necessarily specific to real estate and investing, but finding ways travelers can find a steady income that requires a little bit of work, but may not constrain them to living in the United States and giving them the freedom to do travel abroad, but not just still work 40 hours a week while they're abroad and a remote job, but give them that opportunity to do something that's like 10 hours. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that you're setting the world on fire. Like you are living abroad and you are making enough to sustain yourself and maybe save a little bit for retirement. Yeah. And because it's so funny, you guys, because because of the rental properties, I've now started four other companies <laughs> that all are tied to real estate. So I won't go into all of them, but I have a company called Aria Design where we furnish Airbnbs for investors. How that happened is I posted a photo of my furnished unit in Nebraska. I said, look, I furnished this from New Zealand and everyone was like, oh my God, how did you do that? Can you do it for me? 
my first reaction was no. <laughs> and my second, and then my second reaction was like, wait, 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 what would an entrepreneur do? And I said, it's all about who, not how. Thank you, Dan mm -hmm. Sullivan, for the book. And I started a company. So now we've done 19 units in nine states. Um, wow. Admittedly, we don't even have a website or a logo. We just have a name. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. And so I have that company. Then I coach real estate agents, as I mentioned, and I have a coaching company. I also do speaking. Like I told you, I now speak in real estate brokerages. And then the reason that I'm here in Guatemala is I host intimate retreats for real estate investors. And my next retreat is here in Guatemala. Uh, the first two were in the U.S. My next one, I'm actually announcing. I'll announce it here on the podcast. I am having my next one in August in Nashville. Okay. Nice. Okay. And then I accidentally started a fourth company called a co-working, co-living company. And what happened is I'm in this beautiful villa. It has eight bedrooms. And I thought, huh, I wonder if people would be interested in renting one of the rooms and coming for, I don't know, four days, 10 days, 14 days, and it sold out. And so, so I have, awesome. thanks. So I have 24 people coming, like 24 different people coming in the three and a half weeks leading up to my retreat. Um, wow. And so I started a co working company. Hopefully it does better <laughs> than we work. <laughs> that's, well, we're, that's... yeah, we're more co work, co live. And, okay. Um, it's a theme of mine. I don't name any of my company. You know, like Aria didn't get a name until like six months in. And so yeah. eventually the co-work, co-live will get a, the company will get a name. <laughs> um, but the idea is that we're not just working together. We're, we're experiencing things together. So for example, at breakfast this morning, like a girl like shared her difficulties in her job. Then next thing we knew, we were talking about syndications <laughs> all before 10 a.m. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's fun. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it sounds it. It sounds incredible. It sounds um, like a dream come true for for yourself, of course. But tons of people would love to find to to walk sort of a similar path. One thing I want to get into, I, I want to get into your travels. But a question I have now um, is: a lot of times I listen to these podcasts, and it's all about you know uh, what they've done and how to do it. But I feel as though they don't touch up too much on like the difficulties. So I want to hear about some of your problems. Like, oh, I, guys, that, I'm an open book. Yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, what, what before someone jumps into this thinking that they're going to rise to the top without a problem? What do you deal with? What are your headaches? What really is what are the hardships? Yeah, it, it's going to depend a lot on the entrepreneur's personality. So I am a figure it out as I go person. So I am not an overanalyzer. An overanalyzer's problem is going to be that they won't probably pull the trigger. Um, my problem is that I go too fast and I say yes to things and then I, then I have to figure out how to make it work. And mm. so I didn't hire fast enough because I also struggle with scarcity mindset around money because I'm a frugal backpacker. So you like take that I've been trying to, you know, stretch my dollars for a decade, you know, by doing geo arbitrage and living abroad. And I joke, I'm kind of a dirty backpacker. Um, <laughs> but now I'm an entrepreneur whose businesses, I mean, I'll have three businesses that hit six figures this year and I need to hire. And it's scary yeah. to, to say, okay, I'm looking for, I'm not looking for a $30,000 assistant. I need a $75,000 a year assistant. 
And that's scary. And so I waited too long. I waited too long to hire and my personal life struggled, like my personal life suffered the most. Um, and then my business probably didn't grow as quickly as it could have the last 90 days. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, so would your recommendation be to, I guess, gauge that uh, in a way to determine I, what do you, what do you weigh to either hire or not hire? Yeah, the easiest thing is a very easy math equation. It's so easy. I'm kicking myself, you know. Um, you look at the tasks that are on your plate and versus how much it's going to pay someone to do it um, versus what is your hourly rate. So, for example, when I do coaching, my hourly rate is this. But when I'm redoing a sales page on my website, the hourly rate is this. And then you go even further. And like when I do my own bookkeeping, I mean, that was a joke. Like I should have hired a bookkeeper a year ago, not three months ago. <laughs> yeah. You live and you learn. And you exactly. are living. Uh, yeah. So, yeah sure. and, here's, and here's what I love, you guys, is I'm making these mistakes while like sitting in Guatemala. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. There is an added bonus to that for sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so go, one of the things yeah. that we've we've learned on this podcast, and it was a it was probably a realization that we had earlier this year in one of our travel around table discussions with a four or five person panel, it was that spontaneity spurs curiosity or creativity, and the the fact that you're you're kind of figuring it out as you go, while most planners would already have an idea of how that's going to be addressed. Being able to be spontaneous makes you and forces you to be more creative. Yes, absolutely. The fact that I own all of these businesses and this all has happened in the last nine months is absolutely a credit to, I'm, I've always been the type of person, I'm very confident in my abilities and I know what, where my strengths are not. And so I have started hiring out the things that I don't enjoy and that I'm not good at. Yeah, yeah. that seems vital. Very. So <laughs> you're now in Guatemala. You've been to Australia, uh, New Zealand, and where else? It was, it was another country in that region, right? Yeah, I have been, now I've been to 44 countries Whoa. on six continents. And what do you look for when you travel? What, what, what's your passion? people. So I feel really lucky now. Um, so that 2016 trip was absolutely vital because I met three entrepreneurs that I still am in touch with. Two of those, two of those three, we have visited each other. I think Chris and I've seen each other in four countries. Zahava and I have met up in like six countries. And earlier this year, I got a spontaneous invite to Merida, Mexico with 12 other people that are really interested in the fire financial independent retire early movement and so a Everybody lot of my be interested in that <laughs> amen and a lot of my travels recently have been dictated by that um which is awesome for me i'm as you can tell i'm an extrovert i really enjoy being around people and so i love this question because i probably need to sit down and think okay what do what does sarah actually want to do on her next trip rather than allowing invitations to dictate that yeah, that that I would be curious to hear what you end up with. Um, yeah, yeah. See, I don't know because I ways. I know based on some of the travels that I've done, and I know Bob, you and I have traveled together. But I think uh, Sarah, you and I are somewhat similar in our travel experiences in that we like 
not necessarily knowing what we're going to do because we're kind of happy with doing whatever. And like new experiences are exciting and we're, we're ready and willing to get outside the comfort zone to do something new and just to yeah. try something that is not been in our wheelhouse before. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing I found that I learned is I love variety. Um, mm-hmm. So I do really enjoy culture and museums. Um, I would be very happy to fly to a city, go to a museum all day. The difference is, is that I don't want to go home after the museum. I like then need a very nice cocktail with nice people, ideally live music. Um, so I like a balance. Um, I I think my next trip, I'd really like to challenge myself and do a long hike. So something like hiking from hut to hut or hiking Patagonia or Nepal, like Ooh, some type of challenge. Big. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'm ready for a challenge. Um, it's can, really easy for me to just fly to a city and, you know, figure it out. But I think I'm ready for a physical challenge. All right. We can put you in touch with some people. We do Excellent. know plenty, yeah. of, uh, plenty of people around the world that, that conduct <laughs> similar hikes like that. Uh, yeah. One in Guatemala, as we talked about before the show, and then one in Peru, Colombia. Yeah, yeah. a few countries down there. Amazing. Um, yeah. All right. So so you go to these countries, you establish um, your your Airbnb, your location, where you're staying, your accommodation. Uh, the point is to meet people. Now you need to set up shop to work. What are what's like your your list of things that you need to make sure are going to work and that you'll you know to just to do your job. What do you need to do? Yeah, my wish list for an Airbnb is a great view, um, a lot of natural light. If I'm gonna unfortunately some days spend eight hours on my computer, I have to have a bunch of natural light. And then I love the ability to just walk out the door and go to a cafe. It doesn't have to be the best cafe next door, but even just to be able to go. If the best cafe is, you know, an Uber right away, that's okay. But the ability to walk out your door, because like I said, sometimes I do, unfortunately, still work all day. And I need the ability to just walk out and like take a break and have a coffee and come back. Oh, that would be so nice. That's something that I, uh, I kind of miss. Actually, well... I should say when I when I miss it, it's because it's only the times that I've traveled that I've had that ability if I was working remotely to just walk out and grab a coffee. But most of the places I lived in my life haven't had that opportunity to just either walk out from my job or walk out from my house and go to a cafe and get a cup of coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's, if it's it was amazing. Yeah. If Especially it was in South America. Yeah. Of all places. Now, I will say I do live in a small borough in central Pennsylvania that has some breweries nearby which is really nice and convenient in the afternoon but i love coffee and it would just be so nice to you know mid-morning take the dogs for a little walk grab that latte or cappuccino or espresso and just sit for five ten minutes and then head home exactly isn't it funny how like that that's my criteria like when people ask like what i need like is it a lake or a beach or a mountain like i'm like no, just I need like, you know, some natural light, good Wi-Fi. And that's for like what I do now. Like I want to be really clear. I'm not on a perpetual vacation. I am, this is just my, this is just my life. You know, I'm, I'm working. I mean, often not just Monday through Friday, but I'm working and also traveling. And so I feel really lucky that I, it's not a vacation. Um, And so sometimes I need to remember to go on vacation. Right. Yeah. It's not an easy quote unquote, like lifestyle. It's not an easy, it's, it's fun. There's a lot of great things, but I, I wouldn't call it easy. And I think that's, again, like that Instagram picture that you get makes it look easy to people. 
uh, it, it makes it seem easy because they see those highlights. But yeah, it's not a vacation at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where Where are you going next? Yeah. So I. Yeah, go back to the U.S. Um, I'm really excited to announce that I will be speaking at Invest HerCon in June in Charlotte. It is okay. their first annual event, um, and they're a, a group, for those of you that don't know, that's a group of real estate investors um, focused on helping women, and I will be speaking on two different panels, a panel on short-term rentals and a panel on, I think it's titled, like, something about the collective genius and the fact that I'm on a panel with the word genius I'm like this is pretty cool <laughs> and maybe they've made a mistake but I'm very excited about that then I fly to San Francisco and I'm teaching in a real estate brokerages teaching real estate agents how to invest in real estate and then I actually don't know where I'm going July and August so if you guys have any good invites I'm, I'm all ears yeah well can, can we go back really quick to the investing in short-term rentals uh, have yes. you thought of pondered the idea of I don't know like scouting Airbnbs as you travel along but I, I guess that would take investing in international yeah which I I know he's brushed up on it earlier but a lot of countries require you to be a citizen of the country to invest in real estate yeah uh, so and and, and where I'm at in my investing, you guys, and I think I really like new investors to hear this because a lot of new investors come to me and they say, oh my God, I want to own an Airbnb somewhere that I love to go so that I can use it. I've and I say, I say, yeah, everyone has. It's, it's, that sounds great in theory. However, the reality is, is that that place that you really like costs about 10 times more than the place that I buy in. And then the cash flow is more, but maybe not that much. Like your, your cash on cash, how I dictate a deal, isn't that much different. So what I do is I buy boring buildings that cash flow a lot. And then I use that cash flow to then go vacation wherever I want, whenever I want. And when I explain it to people that way, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that does actually <laughs> sound better. It's, bo it's boring though. Like I don't, I, I don't want to like pretend that I like love my properties and where yeah. they're located. Um, but man, do I love them when that like check hits my bank account. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> funny. My sister had a uh, thought maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And she's, she's like settled in, had a good job. And then she was just like, boring is nice. Hmm. Boring is very nice. Especially when you've had a lot of excitement or a lot of things in your life that are just like, popping up all the time that you weren't expecting that are you know good things are okay but if it's something that you don't really want in your life that's that's not as fun yeah it depends the on the context of boring like in, in the yeah. context of sarah's uh job it's it's having a smooth well-oiled machine you know and it's just nice and boring and the properties are boring but everything's working properly and it's in order here's my money i'm gonna go on vacation and yeah, yeah it's there's you know the, it, it's it's fun yeah, it has been really fun. So nine of my 19 units are now furnished. Okay. Nice. Nice. So, so did, when you say when you say furnished, does that mean that you're using them for short-term rentals or? It's a mix of short-term and medium-term. And okay. so what medium-term is, is when you rent to someone, it's still a furnished unit. They can even still book it on Airbnb but they or a website called Furnish Finder, and they book it for 30 days or more making it medium term is what we call it. And okay. that is the majority of my units during the winter. 
actually all of my units during the winter. Um, and then now that it's summer in Nebraska, you have the College World Series. A lot of families travel in for their kids' competitive baseball. And so now I allow shorter stays. And so then, therefore, it's a short-term rental again. But for the most part, almost all of mine are medium-term rentals most of the year. Okay. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I know um, working in the real estate world, short-term rentals are a hot topic discussion for many local municipalities. And it seems like it's a local government issue and that I don't like, you don't really see it at the state or federal level that much. And I'd be curious to see, I, I know you haven't necessarily been involved in Airbnb investing abroad, but the impact of Airbnbs on uh, local communities. Absolutely. I, I'm not going to pretend that it's not a problem. It, it, it is a problem. Um, and so I think you had asked, Bob, about like me investing abroad. And so, yes, I would love to buy something abroad when I have more cash reserves because the ability to buy something with a mortgage is either impossible or really difficult. And so right now I'm in what I call growth mode. So I'm buying places in the Midwest um, using, using as much leverage as possible. And then eventually I will buy things that are frankly more fun. I'm excited to own something that I'm really excited about in the future. Um, and paying attention to the regulations is so important. I actually know investors who bought something, didn't even think to look. And then their initial investing strategy of, of renting it out as a furnished unit or an Airbnb doesn't work. And now they're stuck with a property that frankly doesn't cash flow as a long-term rental. Yeah. Then they have to flip it. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's tough. And I think investing internationally, like I, you think, you know, investing when you're in the U S but as soon as you go to any other country, even if you've invested internationally before in like Germany or Spain, and then you go try to invest in Portugal, it's going to be different regulations. And you may have to have a power of attorney. You're probably going to want it, uh, a, an attorney that knows international real estate law. And you may have to have several. So I think it gets really, really complicated as soon as you start looking elsewhere. And maybe it's just the you have boots on the ground that you work with them. And that is the way to simplify things. Yeah. And not to discourage anyone from investing abroad. That's not my intention. However, I think that it is romanticized, especially for new investors. And my strategy is buy using leveraged money in the Midwest and then use that cash flow to go do whatever I want or travel wherever I want. And I want to make it clear to our listeners that may not be familiar with the term leverage that it means using debt that is not yours, using someone else's money, OPP, other people's money, (laughs) OPM. Yeah. OPM. No, it, it, I, it, it's much easier going back to, to what's easier um, to, vet, to invest in something you're familiar with, especially if it works. It, it, you know, why would you why would you need to change it? Um, before I let you go, we're going to give you a moment to give us your social media tags, but then we're going to get into a rapid fire round. Uh, are you ready? Excellent. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready. So, uh, yeah. So where can people find you? Where can they follow? Where can they join you? 
Uh, yeah, anyway. absolutely. Yes, I will be announcing my next retreat for investors. Um, and it sounds like the demand is there. I probably will be doing another co-work, co-live opportunity very soon. And so you can visit my website, Sarah D. Weaver. And my Instagram is also Sarah D. Weaver. Basically, if you just Google Sarah D. Weaver, you will find me. You know, that's I can vouch for that because when I Googled you, you came up like so many different podcasts. You've been on a tear recently, right? It's it's very impressive. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You're very busy. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be easy for me to remember your last name because that's my wife's maiden name. Oh, wow. We're cousins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not from central Pennsylvania, are you? No, but I th I've heard that there is lots of weavers there. Um, really weavers. quickly, I have a hilarious story. Was on a yes. podcast um, two weeks ago, and happened to be in Omaha. The podcast hosts are in Omaha, so I did it in person in their studio, and we knew that his wife was from the same town as my dad, which is a tiny town, thousand people, right? So we're like, oh, we have to know each other, and I knew his his wife's maiden name, but I I don't you know I don't know the town at all, right? I grew up in a large suburb in Kansas City. I get a text four days later after the after we did the recording, and he goes, you will not believe this. My wife's sister, Courtney, was married to your Uncle Kurt, which makes you my niece once removed. That's <laughs> what? I said, this is the most Iowa shit I've ever heard of, <laughs> and I'm changing you in my phone to Uncle Owen. That's <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So if we find out in four days that I am actually related to your wife, I mean, this is this you is mean, getting weird. You, mean, yeah. <laughs> you don't have any relatives in uh, in Lidditz or Mannheim, do you? No, not that I know of. <laughs> All, right. All right. So Ready? rapid fire round, five questions, whatever comes to the top of your head. It doesn't have to be short. So first question is, what is the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word travel? Connection. I like that answer a lot. Uh, what travel book has had the biggest influence on your life? <laughs> oh, man. This is such a funny answer because I was just talking about it yesterday. Um, there is a book called What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding. <laughs> and Interesting. it is, a, it is um, oh, I feel terrible. I don't remember her name. Kristen something. And she is a TV writer for How I Met Your Mother and okay. um, I believe that 70s show. And the woman is absolutely hysterical. She, Kristen Newman. Kristen Newman. Thank you. So yep. Kristen Newman wrote this book. And the title is basically, I was traveling while my friends were getting married and having babies. And so what I was doing while you were breeding. And the Great book, title. the book is, I mean, she is absolutely, you will cry laughing. She's that funny. Um, I don't want to write a book that is that she's a little graphic with some of her rendezvous. Um, and, and yet the book is not, it's definitely not smut. It's not 50 shades of gray. The book is <laughs> hilarious, thoughtful. I had never read a book and, and felt so understood. Um, and right. so, but if you're easily offended though, like I, there's chapters that are very raunchy, but for the most part, what she's really talking about is what it's like to have this like desire to travel the way that I do and probably the way that you guys do, it makes you different. Like I am mm -hmm. different than um, yes. definitely my friends from, from different walks of life, 
but frankly, I'm different than most people on earth. And this book was the first book that I read that I felt really seen. I'm going to give you a recommendation of an author. His name's Dave Seminara, and he um, essentially traveled the world trying to understand the psychology of the adventurer and why why we have this passion to seek out these experiences and what makes us different. Uh, that yeah, his, Dave Seminara, his book was Mad Travelers. I forget the, the and he's got two others as well, at least yeah, two others. Yeah, he was an awesome guy. Yeah. That, that's really so, cool. Mad Travelers, A Tale of Wonderless Greed and the Quest to Reach the Ends of the Earth. Yeah. Yeah, I will absolutely read it. Yeah, if you guys want to laugh, um, yeah, what I was doing I like while you were breeding. One of her lines is that she goes to Argentina looking for the Juan. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was in Argentina and like multiple people were like, oh my God, have you read that book? And I was like, yeah, actually I have read that book. Um, <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Definitely gonna look into that. Yeah, it's not yeah. it's not very popular. Um, but it's funny. A traveler mentioned it to me yesterday, and I was like, you know, was reminded how funny I thought that book was. Oh man! All right. Well, number three is what is one practical thing travelers can do right now to enhance their next travel experience? Oh, great question. If you're not traveling with a journal, it's an absolute must. Um, I I cannot stress, even if you're like, oh, I don't do that, um, I will say, well, then you should start, even if it's just bullet points. Um, yeah. But you have to journal. I mean, you'll meet the most incredible person on a walking tour, and he'll have this wildly interesting story, and I guarantee six months later you will not remember his name, where he was from, parts of that you know, seemingly amazing story in the moment. And so you just you got to write stuff down. Yeah. 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 Elliot and I, I are both nodding our heads in agreement yeah. because – it's something that both of us do. Yeah, it's awesome. It's vital. Yeah. It's vital. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Tell us one thing travelers should not do. Oh, man. I think hate their home country. I think it's a theme that I'm seeing um, with some travelers. And it's bitterness is not attractive on anyone. No, it's not. Yeah. I would concur. Yeah. I... I I, I'm just going to add to this one as well because I, I, I agree with you. And what people do, they like they tend to tie their country to politics too much and forget the art and the history and the, the entertainment and the food and the people. And like there's so much that make up your country, but people get so bogged down in, in political ideologies and corruption that it ruins the entire country for them. And I don't think that's fair. So I like yeah. that answer as well. I agree with you. Yeah, and, and to, to play on it further, I mean, the ability to do what I've done. So I am a single female, and I run now four businesses. I own eight rental properties using leverage or mortgages. Um, there's almost no country in the world where all of that could be true at the same time. And so my parents didn't go to college and yet like live a very good life. That also wouldn't be true in other countries. And so the ability to invest in real estate the way that I have is frankly only possible in the United States. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. And I wasn't that way in my 20s. And so I think that's why that comes to mind first is I was probably a little bitter and a little angry when I was in my 20s. Um, and now I realize like just honestly how wonderful our country is. I love that answer. And it was very unique too. Right? Most people think of, you know, when they're on the ground or something. So that, I, I, yeah, great answer. Elliot. And the last question is, what is one piece of advice you'd give to yourself 10 years ago? 
I would love to go back and like hug 22 year old Sarah and just be like, it's all going to work out. Like, don't worry so much. People probably, for some people, I think they, they know how thoughtful and um, intentional I am. But for other people, I think they think I'm just fun and I'm loud and I'm spontaneous and outgoing. But the, the reality is, is that, I mean, 16 to 25 year old Sarah was really stressed and really scared about money. Um, I, I constantly was writing in that journal that I mentioned, you know, this is how much I have in my savings. This is how much is coming in. This is how much is this going to cost. And I, w- I would love to go back and tell her, like, your life is going to end up being so much cooler than you could have imagined. <laughs> love it. Love it. It does feel good. Sarah, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We learned a ton. And it was awesome talking to you. This is, this is a pretty unique conversation for us. This is a different spin on travel for sure. Excellent. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, Elliot, I think we should buy an Airbnb. Where where in the U.S. should we start looking? Um, Rocky Mountains, maybe? Ooh, I mean, that's not a bad choice. I think pretty much anywhere at this point. You know, with, with the rise of remote work, it seems like anybody and everybody is willing to go everywhere as long as there's a good coffee shop nearby. Yeah, I that's agree. That, that's, I could... that's like my sole requirement is a good coffee shop nearby. Interesting. Mine, Mine would be like environmental like i would need like a mountain range or lake that's what i would want over over food it would be like yeah what am i going to see like what's the environmental draw and then i'll find the good coffee okay yeah yeah um okay i think we should buy an airbnb maybe we'll, we'll look into that i think we should too yeah good idea. <laughs> okay so uh yeah we hope you enjoyed the show again great great conversation and we really liked it i i, I really like this idea of integrating uh, real estate investing into travel. So maybe we will do more of those conversations in the future. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to help support the show in a financial way, you can do so simply by buying us a coffee through the link in the show notes here or on our Instagram page. If you just want to support us in a non-financial way by uh, liking and subscribing and telling your neighbor about us, things like that, we'd also greatly appreciate it. But regardless of what you do, we appreciate you. We, we thank you for listening and we hope that you tune in next week.